0: Welcome to the Mental Models Podcast. I'm George Baxter, and I'm a hedge fund manager for SabrePoint Capital Management.
1: I'm Dan Krawczyk. I'm a neuroscientist and professor at the University of Texas at Dallas. And together we explore mental models. That is how we view the world and what the world gives us for feedback. It's not a
0: brain in a jar. That's the gist. Today, we're going to talk with Mike Hughes about artificial intelligence.
1: Mike's got a lot of expertise in how we do things like machine learning and what it means for business, so we'll look forward to this conversation.
0: Mike is the Senior
1: Director of Product Marketing at a company called OutSystems out of Portugal, and uh, he is a self-described renaissance man of IT. Can you give a sense of what are some pretty successful applications of AI that, uh, getting back to uh, mundane reality, yeah. um, where does it actually help us in society and, and what might we expect from it in it the future?
2: I mean, it's a little less glamorous, but it's still very meaningful for organizations. But what we generally see is that um, most organizations using AI, for so robotic process automation is a, is a hot topic, RPA, right? So, it's a very hot topic. Um, topic right now, a lot of companies in that space doing very well, which basically involves taking perhaps so your your business receives paper orders from hundreds of different vendors. They look different and different um, different layouts, but kind of fundamentally the same information. You need to get that into your systems, right? It would be a human task to go through and be like, oh that looks like the order number up there. So RPA combined with AI enables organizations to really reduce operational costs, right? To take The human's out of the equation there to scan these documents, to use AI to recognize which parts of the the document represent which fields, to push that into systems either through screen scraping or through APIs. Very, very common uh, application of AI. Chatbots on websites, right? AI in use there, right? They understand language. So they're using services for language. Recognition to be able to make decisions about what to do. Those decisions are programmed by humans right it's like if someone asks about a new product i will take them to this page right but they're able to understand language right uh, Freeform text to be able to make
1: decisions based on that right and like in gmail you now get a completion of your sentence yeah. which is actually pretty sensible it's, and possibly even accurate
2: yeah i use it quite a bit now i noticed that just in the last six months to a year yeah and it's learning right so that's something that's kind of being retrained and the, the data sets are there, right? It's Google. They're collecting millions and millions of data points every second, right? So for them, the ability to train those types of algorithms, you know, they've got the data, which a lot of organizations struggle to actually get the data to begin with. So chatbots is another very common one. Image recognition. I was just coming back into um, to Dallas through Global Entry um, last weekend. And uh, before I had to put my hand down and do the hand, I had to type in my number, my alien number, because I'm an alien. And now the process is basically you look at the camera, and it's like, okay, green light. I mean, it took a fraction of a second. Image recognition, it knew who I was based on photographs they had previously taken. Um, so that's a very strong use case for AI, the image recognition is very-
1: That's a fascinating one, because in the perception community, people thought face recognition was some sort of holy grail that wouldn't be achieved. And it was far beyond you know what a machine could possibly do to deal with the human variation. and. Viewpoint everyone has always worried about viewpoint angle. Yeah. Like that was unsolvable. And it sounds as if that's actually um, one of those cases where machine learning is really quite good at that and that's obviously hugely functional for society.
2: But it took a very long time to get there. I mean that was you know, that's something that's been talked about for decades and now the technology is kind of caught up to that. The business applications are obvious, right? But the the, the technology wasn't there until just recently. So if, if C B P is is confident that it's gonna work, that's a pretty big You know, box check for uh, for facial recognition because that's uh, they wouldn't let just anyone into the country. So uh, it's uh, yeah, I was I was surprised that was a big shift just in and and it made the traffic much faster in DFW. Right, we really got through quite quickly. So very positive change. Those are common applications. It's not like the uh, take over the world kind of um, futuristic view, but it's very practical for organizations. Right, it helps them. Save money, right? A lot of operational efficiency you can get there um, through automation, right? And, uh, and 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 raising the kind of um, customer satisfaction as well, right? Having a better first um, contact with your customers, being able to give them a more meaningful interaction than than they would otherwise. So that that's really driving a lot of organizations to to try and incorporate AI into what they're doing.
1: This is starting to sound like the future that people anticipated uh, with robots kind of taking over a lot of the mundane tasks, right? And this actually could be extremely helpful. Things like automating very boring work and making it much more accurate. It's not glitzy. We're not going to be enormously impressed with that, but it would save a lot of time. And, And that maybe is part of where we should be automating. However, people always want to automate the very big decisions. We talk a lot in this podcast about human biases and the, the sort of um, ways that we're fraught with irrationality. Um, for example, something like judging a court case. Yeah. And uh, is there any application like that that you're thinking about that, that someone's using?
2: So there are definitely uh, interesting use cases coming up. So uh, one of our customers in the Netherlands, in fact, was speaking last year at our user conference. And uh, they have in the Netherlands an AI judge one of the the first ever. So this judge is not, you know, making determinations on life or death type cases, but a lot of those much more basic cases, they're able to use an AI-powered judge to basically determine, you know, who wins and, you know, both sides have to agree in advance with the, the decision that's made. And uh, But from an efficiency point of view, that's, you know, it's, it's huge. It allows Them to process a lot more. There's a a big backlog of of cases to get through. So if you're able to get through these in a much more automated fashion, Um, so an AI judge, right? Sounds like the stuff of uh, of science fiction.
1: And wouldn't that take a lot of the emotional pleading out of the court case? It seems like you'd have to argue the facts, then, which is unheard of.
0: I'd have to assume that that's more of a. It's a code-based system. It's not stare decisis, and you know where you're you're building a case based off a precedent. Uh, you're looking at a lot of different, similar cases, like in the U.S. or in, in Great Britain, because yeah. uh, yeah. it' more.
2: It is a lot more on on the basic side of things, of
0: just the rules, was, yeah. the code based system that they have in continental Europe versus the uh, precedent based system where we look at court cases and then you try to amalgamate some sort of an argument based off of precedent
2: it's just the beginning i mean again who knows where this will lead but for now yeah these are simple decisions they don't have major life consequences for people and they, they're agreeing in advance to it right based on presumably you know whatever the encoding is for the types of cases that they're presenting but interesting stuff i like the story i, I think it shows kind of the potential history around ai but a couple of years ago remember facebook uh, robots that developed their own language and they had to shut down the project did you remember that story that came up in the media that so these robots were trained to uh, to trade. So the idea was to basically create trading, um, AI for trading. So these two AI-fueled robots were, were trading with each other and then they started using, and they, they were using English as the language for trading. And then they started to use these they, they kind of invented a language of sorts to to start, to, and, and people got very freaked out about it. The way it was reported was like, you know, robots develop own language, project shut down. <laughs> but then you go read, right, it's on Snopes, you go read, they're like, yeah, well, and this is another case of like th- that fitness function, right? They were never told, don't don't stop using English as the language for trading, right? There was no reward for staying in the English language or any, any kind of, any sort of... Um, detrimental score for 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 not using English, right? So they were following their algorithms and finding the most efficient way to trade with each other. And it, it led to almost like this, um, you know, uh, this shorthand language. It's probably the best way to think of it. It wasn't a, a unique language they developed, but it was kind of like sh- they just became more efficient. It was shorthand. Uh, but the way it was reported in the media was like this was Robots develop new language. Project shut down. Like you know, we're fearful, but it really wasn't really wasn't the case. And I don't think the the, the movies with the <laughs> that depict kind of the, the downfall of humans because of the machines, right? Help with that image for AI. Uh, but it's I think we're very we're very long way from that.
1: You get a sense of the real differences when human experts have faced off against algorithms and things like the game of Go recently or right. chess. If you go back to Gary Kasparov. Uh, against IBM's Deep Blue. And one of my favorite examples from the Kasparov uh, match of the 90s was um, basically uh, it was a a real stalemate and Deep Blue didn't have a good move. So it made a pretty unlikely move. And all it was doing is, uh, it was called random legal move. It just had to do something legal (laughs) to keep the game moving. But Kasparov was kind of thrown into emotional turmoil over this because he started questioning. He thought the game was playing some strategy here. And it was yeah. such an unlikely thing that no human would do. It was almost like an alien move and he got very uh, traumatized apparently over this and ended up, you know, really losing um, some of his edge because he was a very intimidating player. And here this thing had had very naively like just moved the game along. But it se- it was a strange enough move that it didn't fit with his expectations. And something similar happened when Lee Seedal had faced... Um, alpha go in this go challenge about four years ago and it got into his head where he got kind of emotional over what the machine seemed to be doing and so those are those are interesting examples because they sort of indicate how um you can start to have these uh moments where the machine is thinking differently and the human i guess it goes back to the the crux of it is how does the human interpret what the machine has done it, it sometimes can be threatening um i guess it's sometimes helpful too though to augment human judgment is are there any examples come to mind there
2: first i would um point out there was a cheers episode that, that was kind of funny where where sam was playing chess against uh i forget who the character was but the character was you know the chess expert and was countering sam sam was cheating he had like a headset in and was a uh, he was a, really he was cheating, right? And the he, the guy was counter, countering, countering perfectly. He was like, yes, I was countering every move. And then, then his ear set failed, and he just did a random move and won, <laughs> and was pr. He won a dollar, right? He was parading around the dollar.
1: It wasn't like, that the Robin was, character uh, who was yeah. who was all irate over. He knew exactly what he was doing.
2: And then one random act. So Sam was basically the AI in that case. It was just blindly following what he was being told until he had no no input, and then just randomly
1: moved. It just reminded me that, which was kind of funny. I guess it points to that uh, disconnect. It's almost like two forms of intelligence attempting to um, ridge over. And, uh, and where humans. Um, I guess I was thinking in the useful case, are there some cases you can think of where the machine produces some output that's extremely useful and very unanticipated, but the person really appreciates it? I guess we're at a point in the development maybe where it, it baffles people with answers more than provides an obvious link I where we're missing it. If you're not expecting
2: the answer you get, then I guess the application is, to me, the problem, right? Why, why are you using AI in that situation? And Generally, the AI is producing output that is being used to drive other types of decisions.
0: So, have you seen applications in finance where AI has been put to work, you know, successfully and or, or not? I
2: mean, beyond so beyond the kind of the more simple examples, there are absolutely more advanced use cases. So, one of our one of our customers, Deloitte, who I'm sure everybody knows the name. Um, they developed basically a, a tool. that's called the Behavior and Emotion Analytics Tool, BEAT. Um, but basically, it uses a lot of the services we've talked about. Right, it's able to run through thousands and thousands of calls right so it's analyzing the calls um, for for financial companies um, where they're 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 obligated to basically um, analyze the conduct of their employees right so as employees are selling financial products to people over the phone there are certain things you can and cannot say Um, so this is a compliance initiative which basically goes through and understands well where are where are the employees perhaps saying things that could be a conduct issue, right? Where they're perhaps making promises about financial products that that are, you know, not promises that can be fulfilled. So different types of things, but from a compliance perspective, this engine is able to go through and, and do what it would take, you know, a thousand human beings to do. You know, the alternative is just kind of do random spot check type stuff. So there are there are very real applications that, that reduce risk for organizations in a substantial way.
0: We have very simplified methodologies to look at conference calls for companies and we know that there are certain things that executives will say that will be the kiss of death like uh if it's a transitional year anytime a, a ceo or cfo says the, the word the words transitional year we short the stock right i mean we'll do some other research and look at some other factors but almost inevitably it means hey, it's going to be really bad all year this year, and uh, don't expect any good financial performance from us. Yeah. And, and we know this because we've owned stocks before where uh, the companies have come out and actually mentioned the words transitional year, You know, like this is, this is going to be a year where we have to turn things around. So we actually started going through and searching. We, we have a, a, a data set where we can look at all transcripts yeah. And just searched for that phrase. And there's others as well. You know, pig through a python is another one, you know, when they're discussing some sort of a, a problem that's going to take a while to feed through the company. So I could see where you could have AI yeah. that's much more sophisticated looking for patterns associated with poor stock performance over the next 12 months in the language used by executives describing their businesses on quarterly conference calls.
2: But what's, I mean, what's interesting now is that that financial companies, it's so much more accessible now than it used to be. You know, it used to be that you needed, you know, to bring in the, the AI expertise in-house that was difficult to find. It's, you know, incredibly expensive skill set right now. And the ability to actually technically craft these solutions, you know, is beyond the reach of most. And now with the cloud, with these services readily, you know, Watson, you go to Azure and the Microsoft stack, you look at... Amazon and AWS all of these all of these mega clouds have these services available and it's really down to the imagination of the company now to say well I'm going to take I'm going to take this capability over here I'm going to take this set of data over here there's still you still have to clean the data there's still work to do right so data scientists are kind of in demand right now as well um, but if you can get past those hurdles the the types of solutions you can create are really i mean it's just down to what you can imagine right so just what you described right it's that's very easy for organizations to do now. The, the the recordings are accessible. They can be pushed through an algorithm to understand the words, look for certain patterns, make decisions based on that, plug that into some sort of automatic trading system, right? And and you've got a new solution. You start a new company, and uh, right, that's your that's your secret source. So it's so much more accessible than ever used to be. And solutions pop up really in you know in in days and weeks, whereas it used to take years of you know handcrafting code to be able to do this stuff. So it's it's an exciting time. We're really just Scratching the surface as well, um, you know. I think uh, people haven't even really understood the the real opportunity and what, what what they could do with this this technology. So exciting times!
1: It seems very uh, timely to have a human in the loop here, though, because for those exact reasons, uh, being able to explain what what algorithms can and can't do is is quite an important skill set as as the humans learn. Uh, what the algorithms might be useful for.
2: Yeah. I mean, the human element is, I think, the common thread here. In my mind, we're a long way from these algorithms taking over the world. I think it's hard enough to get them to do what we want to do in the first place, let alone suddenly jump into a much more sophisticated state where they are uh, somehow controlled. I guess
1: one of the ominous applications, though, seems to be um, the sort of fake news and misinformation. And I gather that machine learning can kind of create... uh, Disruptive news that that masquerades as plausible. Do you find that to be the case?
2: Driven by human instruction, right? That's I think that's the key, right? The the output for that, for that uh, artificial intelligence is is the output that's desired by the human, right? And the inputs of the humans giving the inputs as well so if it's if it's being disrupted it's because somebody wants it to be it's not because the algorithm decided to be. Right. <laughs> it's just a digital mirror for the bad human behavior right <laughs> it's another tool and the tool belt, right but it's a tool that can, can create a lot of disruption very quickly it's problematic there are definitely some ethical questions around these types of algorithms that you know i think still have to be resolved
0: i've heard before that some of the algorithms can end up with outcomes that tread on people's civil liberties you know things like evaluating people based off of race and things of that nature i mean have you seen issues like that crop up yeah
2: i mean you know the way that these algorithms decide to um come up with decisions right again they're training but the way that they infer based on the inputs you know the only way to really understand that is to kind of decipher what the algorithm is doing and if the algorithm is basically Racist, <laughs> right. then, then that's then that's a problem, right? So uh, it's a product of its training, and it's also a product of the human that kind of you know created it to begin with, right? So again, the human element's creeping in here, but those are real problems from a uh, you know from a company risk perspective when you have algorithms that are effectively a black box, so you don't know what's going on inside. Then then it's challenging, I think, you know, for a regulatory perspective where you need to be able to explain exactly why a decision was made. If you can't explain that because the algorithm is just you know this abstract black box that that's a challenge for many organizations
1: i guess it goes back to the training data too though in human face recognition we have some rather awkward uh, sort of effects like um, it is actually harder to recognize different individuals from a different culture, if you're unfamiliar with that culture, um, that seems somewhat racist. But the reality of it is, uh, the way you overcome that is simply by immersing yourself in that culture, and then you get back up to speed. And that's uh, probably a universal truth about just learning systems that even humans end up experiencing.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a very close analogy to to learning, right? You the, these algorithms are trained. They're trained on data sets and those data sets are, are kind of massaged. They're prepared by by humans again. Um, so if the person preparing the data set has an inherent bias, if the data itself was biased to begin, with, that's what the AI learns, right? So they become influenced by the data sets, which is very very similar to us as humans, right? It's what we're used to. It's what we learned growing up is what we become accustomed to. So changing our mindset is, is kind of a retraining exercise. It's very very similar parallel to to what humans
1: have to go through. Fascinating topic. Well, Mike, we've had a very wide-ranging and fascinating conversation on AI and and business. Uh, Do you have any uh, parting words or advice, maybe especially for future customers of AI, either in investing or business? What are some uh, areas that you see as really promising? I don't know if I have particular areas that I see as promising. I would just...
2: You know, my comfort levels of technology, I would just recommend that you try it. It's so much easier now. Um, there are platforms that make it very simple to to tie these technologies together in ways that, um, that solve really interesting problems. Um, so I think there's there's no better time than now to go out and, and try it yourself. Usually there are free trial versions of these things too, right, to go out and to see what you can do. So I think it's a fun time to experiment and push the boundaries. I don't think we're at risk of annihilating the human race, right? But we might solve some really interesting problems and help the human race. So that would be a, that would be a good
0: outcome. Do you have any uh, suggested sites that people should go to to find, you know, potential you know, solutions that they could use that yeah. are
2: I mean, I don't want to gratuitously plug the company I work for, but OutSystems <laughs> has a uh, has a free platform available to uh, to go and try with various connectors to different, you know, AWS has a, has a lot of great cloud services for, for AI, as does Microsoft with Azure platforms. So there are connectors to those types of systems to go and play around with. So that would be one place to start. But there are, there are many other platforms out there that offer similar capabilities. So that's uh, OutSystems.
1: Okay. <laughs> Sounds great. Well, Mike, thank you so much for joining us. We will be uh, hopefully augmenting our own cognition, that of machines.
0: Sounds great. (laughs) Thank
2: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you for spending your time listening to the Mental Models Podcast. Content matters because your brain does not exist in a jar please subscribe. Visit mentalmodelspodcast.com for updates on Dan and George's upcoming book release titled Understanding Behavioral Bias, A Guide to Improving Financial Decision Making. Also available on mentalmodelspodcast.com are show notes, book reviews, and upcoming behavioral finance seminars with Dan and George. The Mental Models Podcast can be found on SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Twitcher. Please subscribe and thank you for listening.